All right, and we're here live, making Long Island great again. First episode, annual show here on September 30th, the year 2021. Oh! I'm Eric Kipperwasser, and this is... Seth Godnick is on as well. Thank you, Eric. And we, we kick things off with the 2021-2022 NHL season in training camp right now. New York Islanders, uh, they come into the season. It's a, it's definitely a historic season that we're going to discuss thoroughly with the uh, finally the new arena, which we'll get into. So we'll save the Barclays discussions for another time, huh, Eric? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's it's an incredible fiftieth season, and you know we're coming. We had a terrible loss uh, in Game Seven in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. All summer, I've been thinking about the goal, that shorthanded goal in Game Seven. You know, and that's what decided the game. And it's those little things in um, playoff hockey that decide series and. That's basically why, you know, Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup and the Islanders, you know, pretty much finished with the, the second best team in hockey. I mean, Can I ask you a question? No, did, did, yeah. Eric, let me ask you a question. Did that game seven, was it not incredibly reminiscent to some degree of when they lost game seven in Washington? I think it was a 2-1 game and they just seemed scared to me. And I felt like I was watching such a similar game. And obviously, we're talking about a different world of coaching and leadership in the locker room. But to me, it just felt like, you know, as Barry always says, you keep climbing the mountain until you reach the top. And it's going to take time to reach the top. But to me, it felt like they, that, that, that game showed me I just didn't know if they were ready to reach the top at that moment. Would you disagree? Uh, I would disagree. Comparison to the Washington game in 2015. This well, obviously season. a first round. No, I'm not, yeah, this is the first time. This is the third. I mean, Tampa Bay is so seasoned. I mean, they gave the Islanders no room in that game seven. You know, all it takes is one mistake. You know, that's why you you, you try to wrap things up at home. You don't want to play game seven on the road. But the Islanders still had their moments in that game. Um, but you can't give up a shorthanded goal. You just can't. No, but you know what? You know what? Luckily, Yanni Gord is is off to Seattle, so yes, uh, we won't have to deal with that again. <laughs> and Goudreau's gone, and exactly. Coleman's gone, but uh, you know, Goudreau's yeah, going to going to the Rangers. That should be interesting. Yeah, yeah, they overpaid the shit out of him, if you ask me. But they whatever. did, they did. Typical rags move, you know. Yeah, like Casparitis. <laughs> exactly. So we kick things off here. I mean, Eric, 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 I think we should kick things off. Why don't you give a quick little inside scoop? I mean, uh, to our listeners, I promise you stories that you cannot even believe, specifically about Eric Kipperwasser, but we will get there down the line. Why don't you kick it off and just tell us a little about yourself, how you became a long-suffering New York Islanders fan. Well, I'm not suffering, so. No, but I would say for the first, you know, how old are you now? 37. You're 37. So, for a majority of your life, you were a fairly long-suffering Islander fan. So, up until, you know, the Barry Lou error and the occasional... All right, so I went to my first game in January uh, 2nd, uh, 1992, against the Quebec Nordiques. Islanders won. That is impressive that you remember that. Islanders won, I believe, uh, 4-1 to that game, or 5-2, to was it? Got to look it up again. Don't ask me. I was fucking two years old. Wow. 
it just it's it's crazy how five six years is you when you're older when you're 32 it doesn't really matter you know but you know what though you got unfortunately you were alive to see those filthy fucks at the garden raise the cup you might have only been you know a certain age yeah but, but it's gonna make it that all that um sweet when the islanders okay. uh, yeah fair enough yeah so i mean i again i again I, I grew up where i had to watch that celebration for years it wasn't just a one summer thing in 94 i i they, they were celebrating to 2000 with that <laughs> but i think they're still <laughs> talking about it there yeah yeah they still yeah. whine about that la kings series like it was like yesterday yeah, right 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 <laughs> and we're already showing our hatred for the uh don't worry it's just the start so i went to my first game and you know i was a fan i'm 7 years old and then next season 92 I, I got into the team more, went to some more games, got, you know, you know, you're young, so you're just learning, you're learning and you're, you know, you have your players that you know, but I mean, I was watching games in school nights, you know, Mark, I got, I was upset when Mark Fitzpatrick would start over Glenn Healy. Uh, remember Mike and I would talk about that, you know. It's, 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 and by the way, to our listeners, Mike, you will meet also down the line. It's Pat, yeah. Uh, Part of our little Patrick island family that was established in 92, 93. But it was that miracle team in 93 where they beat Washington in the first round. And then they, Dale Hunter takes and the that third round, which was right? crazy. Yeah, 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 I yeah. still remember the day after in school and coming home and, like, all day was wondering what happened with Turgeon. It was a Friday, I believe, Friday afternoon the next day. I remember my dad didn't let me stay up to see the 6-3 blowout. And it was a blowout. Let me ask you a question. You think that was the sleaziest fucking play in NHL history? In in um, in sports history, I believe. Because he scores, he celebrates, and then he takes him out. And he says that he he didn't he didn't see the puck go in the net. He, yeah, he yeah. gave up the puck. Fuck he you, he was the Hunter. reason for the goal. It was a terrible turnover. Wait, terrible hold on. Turnover. Let me ask you a question. Not to take you off gear right here. Who was the player? I want to say it was probably you know early two thousands, late nineties. You know he was he was a rough guy. You know tough fighter, like an Eric Eric Karens like guy. And he took his stick and he slashed it across someone again, the Rangers. Who was that? Ryan, it was Chris Simon on Ryan Chris Holy. Chris Simon, I remember. Ryan Holy, yeah. Yep. Uh, I apologize. Keep going. No, no, don't apologize. So, you know, it was that I mean, moment. what a partner they, you are. Don't apologize. So they went, into, they went into the Penguin series. Nobody gave him a chance. I mean, even to win one game was like, okay, maybe they'll win a game against the Penguins who were – they won the, They won two straight cups. They, were, they had their best team in their third year. They were – I mean, they were like the 2007 Patriots. Nobody expected, you know, them to lose, you know, and especially in the seven-game yeah. series. And the Islanders went that series. I mean, with Turgeon, if they had if they had him playing, they, they, they would have said, okay, maybe the Islanders will win a game, Penguins in five, or maybe even a sweep. So losing him, it's not like it changed much in the, you know, the eyes of the people in that series because they thought they were going to get killed anyway. So. Yeah. When they won that series on that Friday night in overtime, and then they blew the lead too, of course, um, it just—it was so magical. Like I fell in love at that moment. I think. And you haven't taken Islander clothing off since. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
All right. Well, that's pretty good stuff. I, I wish I could say that I remember the first game I ever went to, but I'll tell a quick story. Have I ever told you the story about my dad and his name? No, you haven't. All right. So in the 1950s, obviously, you know, what's great about hockey players is, you know, they're not celebrities. You know, you meet an Islander, you meet any hockey player, you know, for the most part, they're a regular dude. You know, you can have a good conversation with them. So in the 50s and and early 60s, before the Islanders were obviously a franchise, my dad's parents lived in Roslyn, Long Island, and they were Ranger fans. And they would go to the city every day or every week and go to every game, season ticket holders for years. Who was and the season ticket holder for years? My dad's parents before uh-huh. the Islanders were a franchise. Okay. That makes so sense. There was a goaltender on the Rangers, and I'm sure many of our listeners would, would somewhat, I hope, some would be familiar with, by the name of Gump Worsley. Yep. And legendary goalie. And my grandparents knew Gump just from, you know, being around the team and, and going to bars. Again, it was a different time then. And my grandmother's name was Audrey. And my grandmother, Audrey, went up to Gump Worsley at a bar one night and said, Gump, I have to ask you a question. What kind of mother names their son Gump? To which point Gump responds and says, you know, Audrey, that's funny, but my name is not really Gump. My name is Lorne. And my grandmother looked at Gump and said, wow, you know, I really like that name. And Eric, as you know, my dad, well, you know my father's name, but my dad was born, you know, a couple Wait, years what's your after father's that. Name? And my dad is named Lorne after Gump Worsley. And let me add to oh, that. Really? No, I, yeah, I guess you know that story. Nobody fucking hates the Rangers. I would say the Ranger fans more than anything else. Than my father, but he has to go to sleep every night knowing that he was named after a ranger. So it's a, a good little scoop on that. I grew up in a hockey family. What can I say? But I would say my my first, you know, I, I remember the the Brian Smolinski, you know, um, Darius Kasparitis days. I hated that trade when they oh. made that trade. Kasparitis is my favorite player. Yeah, yep. total bruiser. Um, I loved those teams. You know, those were early on. I remember, like, the Trevor Linden trade, thinking that was going to be like, the, the, the greatest thing ever. I remember him coming out with his C on his jersey. Oh, boy. Oh, um, so I, I would say being born in 1990, I really lived through some horrors. Um, I would say that the Toronto series with, with uh, Darcy Tucker yes. taking out Pekka, um, you know, as young as I was, being there, hearing the crowd and, you know, the asshole chants and the cursing and everything went along with a typical game at the old barn. You know, that was it. I mean, that was like, yeah. this is... Think about this... it. I was a senior in high school in that Toronto series. Right. So right. I lived, you know, from age, you know, they in 93, they had, they had a great run. And then after that, 94, you know, everything's, you know, after the 94, then the Rangers won the cup and everything went down. So... It's a, you know that's seven eight years it, it, eight years nine years that's a long time you know in your childhood it's not you know no, there's no time. question so no when question. they went into that series and you know too it was just it was bedlam it was like I still haven't heard the heard the Coliseum that loud I mean it was it was unbelievable you know it's funny um, Doc Emmerich when he retired they asked him they said you know Doc what yeah. would you say the loudest you've ever heard in the arena. And he said, you know, when uh, when Letty threw it off the back of the boards and JT scored, I think it was game three against Washington. Yeah. He said that was the loudest 
arena yep. he has ever been in his entire career. I was at that game. It, was, it did explode when I was there too. in overtime. Yep, know? I was there. Unbelievable moment. That was like it was like a minute in too. Yeah, a lot of people missed the day when the bathroom. I don't know how I was in shitting your pants in your seat. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Islanders, they finally get the new arena. I mean, I got to tell you, when they got that, when they announced that new arena on December 19th, 2017, I got high without getting high. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was like a, it was, it was a feeling like, like no other. Um, like, yeah, yeah. Eric, Eric, you getting high without getting high sounds likely. Sounds unlikely. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> But it did happen. It did happen. I just had like this rush within my body that whole day or the day after, too. It was like nothing I've ever experienced when they finally got. I mean, because I was waiting for that arena for so long. I remember 97 or 96. Was that the lighthouse boat? No, that was later on. That was when when Spano bought the team. I remember my grandfather saying, oh, this guy is a billionaire. Eric, Eric, you can't talk about Spano yet because that's going to make. No, no, we're not going to talk about him. You know, but you know what's going to happen when we do talk about Spano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just give a little tease. Eric went to the 30 for 30 premiere as Spano's guest. We'll leave it at that for a future date. It was his date. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Brian Berard was there. How was his eye? I mean, what do you what do you expect? <laughs> Mike Milbury was there. Spano's lawyer was there. Should have spit on Milbury. I should have, but I didn't want to make I didn't want to make John look bad. That's why I didn't start anything with Milbury. Oh, that's so. That's really you're really a kind dude, you know, making sure that a thief. A yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, they finally plus one. When they finally got the new arena, and I'd like to declare on the show that December 19th will be known as Islanders Independence Day. I like that thought. Yeah. I've been celebrating, you know, I've been, you know, reminiscing on that, on that uh, December 19th since. What'd you do December 19th, 2020? Honestly, we got the news and I was like, just insane and then i remember i had to set up some holiday party like do some things and then i honestly sat in my car just smiling for like three hours what a feeling yeah i would yeah i was going to pick up some you know some green stuff but i couldn't get in touch with you know my guy and um i'm honestly waiting in my car just two three hours i'm just looking on the internet it was like a euphoric feeling in my body, like, un, you know, like any other. I didn't need a drink or anything like that. that so just to be clear, you you really didn't like UBS, uh, Barclays. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I really didn't like it. I protested against it. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get into maybe some stories. Maybe not. I don't know, you know. I don't know. Well, proper, I think we have to get proper front doers, you know, but uh, the FBI. So let's talk about the upcoming season a little All bit. Right, you know, we got the new arena. Like I said, glorious moment. But now we actually have to, to play. To win some you know, hockey games. There. We actually have to play there, and the pressure is on. I mean, everyone is expecting the Islanders to make the playoffs. Um, and be you know be one of the top teams in the East. I mean, it, you go to, you go on Sirius Radio. They're the team that 
people talk about most right now in the whole league. And I, I'm not just saying that because I'm an Islander fan. It's the truth. No, you, by the way, by the way, there was a really interesting thing that I saw on, uh, you know, one of the Islander Instagram, whatever, Drive for Five. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Um, but they came out with something or they released it I have it in front of me. And it said the Islanders are currently plus 2,020 to one to win the Stanley Cup. Currently, nearly 11% of bets have been placed on New York to win it all, which is the second most of any team behind Colorado. They've also received nearly 14% of the money bet, the third highest mark in the league. They are the second biggest liability for sports books behind Colorado. I mean, what a world. And Colorado, I don't know how much better they got. I mean, they're good and all, but they need a little more physicality and a little more defense to get. Maybe maybe McCarr is going to be feeling really rich, and he's going to play at another level. Who knows? Well, I'm sure he will. He's a tremendous talent. He's probably one of the best players in the league coming, you know, he's not even in his prime yet for probably another few years. Right. Well, and he's also incredibly rich now, too, which won't hurt. Right, which, you know, I was surprised by that contract. I don't know if that was the best idea for the Colorado Avalanche, but we'll see how it plays out. I, I, think, I think if there was ever a contract that made Lou Lamorella look like a genius, it was that one. I remember calling Sirius Radio, and they were saying how they last year was during the winter, and, and they're like, I think you know Colorado's the second best team in the NHL. And I called them, and I said, I don't think so. I think the Islanders are the second best team in the NHL. And I got that right. I mean, they they, they were. I mean, and pretty much everyone said Tampa was the best team. They won the cup, and they you know have a good chance to win it again. And that's exactly what happened. So. You know, it's a big year, but the Islanders now have all the pressure on them, and they start. The first 13 games, which is a record, unheard of. First 13 games to start the season on the road. I mean, that's it's going to be very difficult. Yeah, there's no question. Nervous. There's no question. But you know what? With, with a guy like Bowery in the locker room, and you know that he's going to have them ready, my concern is limited. I, I think that they will be ready to go. And I think that there's something great about them starting on the road. You know, he bring some, brings them together. A lot of time they'll spend together. Again. <laughs> I kind of, I, I actually don't mind it so much. But it's thirteen games. It's not six or seven. No, you're right. You're right. It's it's a big road stretch. It's a very. It makes me feel like oh, the season. I'm like you know, as I'm going to the game, the November twentieth to kick off the new arena. It's like to me, like that's when the season starts in my head. But then you gotta look and like, whoa, the season actually starts in a couple weeks. What do you got? You got in Carolina, in Florida, in Chicago, in Columbus, in Arizona, in Vegas, in Nashville, in Montreal, in Winnipeg, Minnesota, New Jersey. Florida twice, I I know. Florida twice. That is, I mean, it's going to be a, (laughs) yeah. You see a lot of Islander fans in that, at that Jersey game. That'll be the first. Yeah, they can go to you'll see it. You always see a decent amount, but I think you might even see more that game. We'll see. I think it's a fair assumption. Uh, I can't wait for that first game at Belmont. I don't know what it's going to be like. It's going to be like like a wedding day. Like you don't well, know. Well, let me ask you a question. You you've obviously had the ability now to tour the Belmont. Uh, oh, I personally yeah. have not. Um, yeah. Obviously, as someone who loved the Nassau Coliseum and, and uh, full honesty probably would have preferred to, to stay there. Yeah, me too. Um, 
just because of how special of a building it was. And it's you the middle have, of the suburbs. Right. It, and it was like uh, my, my family's house. I mean, it was, you know, yeah. you're right, right on the highway. You're home in seven minutes. Yeah. It, yeah. But my question for you is, do you have concerns, you know, that the environment that the barn gave you will not be possible at UBS given the new size and, and you know, the upgraded facility? I think UBS is actually pretty small compared to some other new arenas. We know it's the lowest ceiling in the in That's the right. What is it, three three feet higher than uh, the college? I think so. I mean, I don't think you can make an arena as loud as the old arenas in the 70s or if, if you want to even go back to the 60s or the 40s. So I, but I think it's going to be the one of the louder arenas of the of the new arenas the last twenty five years. That's what I'm hoping for. All right, I, I, I pray you're right. If you look at the lower bowl, it looks like the Coliseum. I think you hit on this once before that if you look at it from the lower bowl, it looks like the NASA Coliseum in the lower bowl. The upper is a little different. You have the um, you have the luxury suites now, which you didn't have at the Coliseum in the middle in the middle of the arena. You know, it's it's bigger. I mean, the Coliseum is tiny, so not not it's not very hard to get big. But it, it honestly, looking at pictures of it, it, doesn't look like the arena is that big, which is a good thing. I want to keep it tight. By the way, I you know what? I am a section three twenty four guy. You know, right center ice. I will sit as high up as fourteen or fifteen. I don't love going up to 16. It's a little too high because then the scoreboard becomes a challenge. But right. that's why I love the collie because every seat. I, if you ask me if I could sit in row six, 15, center ice, or sit, you know, somewhat towards the goal, you know, in between center ice and the goal, lower level, I'm choosing upper deck all day at the collie. Oh, yeah. The Coliseum upper deck. I mean, look, there's not a bad seat in the house. No. I snuck down to the lowers some games, you know, back, you know, I've done that uh, when the Islanders were rebuilding and I wanted to see Jeff Carter, the young Jeff Carter. Yeah, I went, I snuck down the lowers to, uh, to watch the lowers, but for a packed house, uppers, upper deck is all day. Coliseum. Completely agreed. Coliseum is like the show Cheers. Everybody knows your name. It's a great comparison. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, people, people know. By the way, it's funny. It's funny, you know, like, you'll be taking a piss at the collie or online at the Coliseum for 45 minutes trying to take a piss. And then, and then, you know, two games later, it's like, oh, hey, man, how are you? You know, good to see you again. Yeah, exactly. You'll see someone you you know all the time. It's a small world. Like, I'm a big fucking family. Yeah. Yeah. You could also. Be a season ticket holder, and you might never meet because you're on one end of the arena every game, and the other guy is on the other side of the arena. So you may only cross each other occasionally, if that, because you just don't go to the same bathroom. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they're in the Smaller. smoking. They're in the smoking section together after the first. For what? I said they're probably in the smoking section together after the first. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, are they gonna? Is this arena gonna be finished in time? Because I'm looking at pictures. To me, it looks like you got another four or five months. I mean, I don't know if they're gonna be able to finish this in time. Like, am I gonna actually be in a new arena watching the Islanders on November twentieth? It's a, it's a it's a very fair question. I saw this comment on Twitter. Someone said today, 
I won't believe the Islanders actually have a new arena until until I'm, I'm sitting in it. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen, and I've I've seen people write that the last few years. I mean, with all the political hurdles over the years to get this thing, I mean, first with um, you know in the '90s when they tried to get the new arena, then Kate fucking Murray. Well, that was years later, but. First, they, you know, in, two, in the year 2000, they said, oh, the Coliseum, the owners, Gluckstein and Milstein, which were horrible guys. They don't get enough blame. Spano gets all the blame. These, they, these guys were, these guys were horrible. But, you know, the, but the truth is, they're businessmen. They couldn't get anything from the county. Yep. They couldn't get anything from these people. Yep. They wouldn't move an inch. But the problem or, was, but the problem is this. Charles Lang was then going to fund the project, and they still couldn't get it passed. Yeah, it's like it's the biggest, richest suburb in America, and it was like pulling teeth. It was like a football stadium that you know is huge with eighty thousand. You know, it's an arena, indoor arena. It's not just about hockey; it's other events too, concerts, you know, all kinds of kids' events. It's not just about hockey. Yeah, you know, and in the largest suburb in America, to fight tooth and nail for so many years just to get an arena, and in the end, they couldn't even get the arena. Through the county, they you know what though? State. You know, you know, you know what the truth is though. I, I think there was also challenges with the fact you know the team was obviously in shambles for a lot of that. The time. team was the catch twenty two. The team was in shambles because they didn't have the economic security. Sure, no question. But I, I think that if the team was performing at a higher level, you know, it might and you're, you're perhaps yeah, I agree. I you think were filling Mil- up the house every night of the week. You're going to have a different, you know. Well, outcome. even if it wasn't Phil, but if Milbury didn't trade like. Four Hall of Famers and two All Stars, and maybe just two All Stars. I mean, you know, if they had a bet. They they would actually had a good team. You know, they if they held on to Luongo and then trade for, you know, they didn't trade uh, Heatley. I mean, I'm sorry, forego drafting Heatley to get DPH. They already has Luongo. Yep. You know, they could have kept Jason Spezza. They kept Chara. You know, they would have had a decent team. They might have gotten Berard a new arena. Berard coming off Rookie of the Year. Right, right. Years. I mean, yeah, yeah. They, you know, they McCabe. Had... Well, oh. yeah. Ole don't forget Ole- him. Oh, my God. Even Martin yeah. Straka had a couple yep. of coffee. Yep. You know, if they – if he didn't trade everybody, then they didn't, re- you know, they, they failed to reach 60 points three straight years, 99, 2000, 2001. And then they got Yashin, but they gave, I mean, the cost for that, for that, for those three years in the playoffs where they lost the first round was, you know, tremendous. They gave up Luongo. They gave up Danny Healy. They gave up Ole Jokinen. They could have had a really good team and they could have gotten that arena much sooner as a result, maybe they would have gotten, you know, approval for it in 2004, 2006, but it wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't, it, it, it wouldn't be a, uh, a story in 2011. I mean, can you imagine Chara, Bill McCall, I don't even know what the hell that is, and a yeah. second overall McCall, pick. They, they threw him in. It wasn't enough for you. Yeah, with a second and overall and Chara. Yeah. Fucking first ballot Hall of Famer. What a joke. Absolutely. Chara. All right, let's dive into training camp. Let's talk about Atu Rati, Salo, some of these younger kids that everybody's talking about, raving about. Yeah. You know, I think we came into camp with some concern, obviously, with Letty gone. But, you know, you're watching Robin Salo bring the puck up, and his stick handling, in my opinion, has just been stellar. And, you know, a guy like Atu Rati, I think it just shows – 
you know, just Lou being Lou. You know, he, he recognized he's a young kid, was getting a lot, a lot of attention, kind of fell into a funk, was projected to be a number one overall pick. Next thing you know, there he is, falling into <clears> our <throat> lap in the second round, and then the next week later, leading World Juniors in goals. I mean, yeah. can you ask for a better story? Well, we'll see. I guess, I mean, I know I trust Lou when it comes to drafting. I expect the Islanders to draft well. They were already drafting pretty well um, prior to Lou. They, you know, they built that team through the drafts. Of Zeke yep. You know, all those guys, uh, Martin and, you know, the whole team we can go through. Down Bailey, the line. Brock. Right, right, right. Lee. Yeah. You know, Tavares, it won't count because he was a gimme first overall pick. But they have gimme first overall pick. I love it. But their farm system got better, but it wasn't to, I guess, elite status. And I think, and I'm hoping with Lou, that it will be top, you know, a, a top prospect pool where every year you have a chance of getting a star. You know, because with this, with these scouts and with Lou Lamarillo, it's a, it's just different. They, you know, they they'll they'll go for some guys now. I think that they didn't go for in the past, and plus. The, they, they've been drafting big defensemen for a while. You know what, though? Can I tell you something else? Field, Pulak. Yeah, yeah, no question. And and tough guys, too, you know? But can I tell you something? Yeah. It's interesting how active we've been, you know, in that Nordic region, you know, in Finland and all these countries. They've been very, very active, drafting a lot of kids out of that region. Yeah, not enough, not active enough in Russia. They're just staying away from Oh, they, I mean... They got what's they his got name? Uh, the tiny kid is in camp that people are talking about. Um, forget his name. The five nine kid, Isliakov or whatever. Oh, Go- Golchev? I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, 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 Golchev, Golchev. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's really, you know, big part of the future. But I'm hoping. Listen, I hope they get a, a few stars from from these Lou picks, Bolduch or you know Adirati. They could definitely use some star power, especially at the center position. You know, they, they have eventually they're going to have to rebuild their team. You know, these Clutterbuck is not going to last forever. They're going to have to replace the toughness that Martin gives, that Leo Komarov gives at one point. Not right now, but. To win the Stanley Cup this season, they're going to have to have young guys contribute. It's very important. I think Wolfram will be, will if he can stay healthy, which has been a concern because he goes into these trouble areas all the time. But I think he'll look good at times. Again, he's still young, so he it's not going to be. You know, I don't think it's going to be a breakthrough season just yet for him. You know, he's going to need some time, but I think he'll. He could probably score twenty goals this year. He's that what good. line do you think he's on? One or three? I you know I don't get I don't get too caught up in the lines. They you could change lines. All right, you know, but where do you game. think? Do you think KP starts on the first line, or do you think Ollie does? Um, I think that Wallstrom is going to start. Really? Yeah, because wait, let's see. You have. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to think that Lee's back now. I yeah, 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 Lee is back. Lee's I, back, so I would have to say that Palmieri will get the shots. Um, yeah, you're probably right, Palmieri. That's what I it, – it's a very Barry thing, you know, to have the – But, again, you there. could change it so many times, you know. We'll, 
your lines. And by the way, we yeah. will because you know they're going to come out flat. Very one period early in the season, Barry's going to shuffle it up. To me, though, I look at it and I say, wow. You know, a playmaker like Matthew, the way he moves the puck and his finesse skills, if he can get the puck in Ollie's hands, and Ollie loves that shot from the point, you know, that one-time slap shot or the wrist shot up high, think about how much garbage is going to be there for Anders. I mean, to me, it seems like a no-brainer eventually. Yeah, listen, I hope hope his knee is good and he can keep – Finishing me, he was having his best season in the NHL. He was leading the team in goals. Yeah, he was just all over the place. He was faster. Like I worried about his speed a few years ago. I mean, he looked like a wrecking ball last year, and then he got hurt. You know, he was having his best season, even with John Tavares. He wasn't this overpowering of a player. Well, you know what's funny, and not to talk about John Tavares, but it is amazing to me how you see how much this group of guys, you know, were so reliant on him, you know, and the minute he's gone and they get to finally play their own game, a team game, you immediately have seen guys like Brock Nelson, you know, players like Brock just play to a new level. It's, it's amazing to watch. Well, he is real coaching now. Pellich has sure. real coaching. Sure. So that has a lot to do with it. Can you, that wait a second. Can you shut your fucking TV off? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was, uh, you know, this whole radio stint. I'm trying to, I was trying to get some uh, inspiration. I listened to Joey Diaz last night. He's great. You should listen to him. I'll check him out. All right, so where were we? So why don't you give us a talk to us, Eric? Tell us what you think about what you're reading, what you're hearing, what you're expecting, any surprises uh, making the team. Okay, so again, the schedule is horrendous. We open up 13 in a row, then we come home. We play opening night. What do we do? Plus, they gave us opening night <clears throat> against Calgary because the Flames were the opponent to open up the Coliseum. It was a 3-2 victory for Atlanta. Atlanta, the Atlanta Flames at the time. So hopefully we get a different finish this time around. But what do they do? We're playing the next, very next night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I guess it's for John Tavares to get a look at, you know, at the arena that would have been basically, you know, the house that John built. But yeah. So they, ba- I mean, they purposely yeah. gave him that game. I mean, I just think it's too many games for us to play instead instead it will be the house that barry built so you can't complain but keep going so then we play wednesday thanksgiving eve against the rangers which is going to be a hot ticket i mean that's going to be loud that what were you telling me how much were those tickets going for cheapest to get in with 230 crazy i think that's going to be a three four hundred dollar ticket ridiculous and then they Okay, you know, I'm just saying they didn't have to play Toronto the next night. They no, I, I agree. The, emo- the emotions of that opening night. Yeah. And then you got to walk into those fuckers. I mean, that's a bummer. Right. They should just play the Rangers on Wednesday and then Penguins on Friday and that's it. You know, I agree. They I don't agree. Need to play Toronto. So, we, so the first 20 games are incredibly difficult. You know, I'd like to be 500 or better. I'd like to be better than 500 and, you know, most important thing, I guess, is to be relatively healthy. Like I said, I think the young guys, like a Salo, can come in and actually with 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 this winning culture now, and some of these young guys and these veterans can actually come in and make a contribution right away. So I think Salo, 
really has a good chance to come in and make contribution. Wallstrom is a big part of this team now. And another guy is Kiefer Bellows, who had that unbelievable uh, junior tournament where he broke records uh, back four, what is it, four or five years ago now. You, you know what? I give you a lot of credit because you have just stuck on that Kiefer train, man. I haven't stuck at anything. He's 20, 23 years old. He's only played what? 34 games in the NHL. To He's me, there's got to be a reason why. He's not getting the playing time that a kid like Ollie was getting. Ollie who? Wallstrom, what are you a oh. fucking asshole? <laughs> so sorry, I'm not you know, I'm the you're not, on, you're not on a nickname basis with them? I'm not on a nickname basis with twenty one year old. I bought his jersey, that was enough. I'm not gonna I, I you know. I'm on a nickname basis with a 20-year-old. Yeah. You know, he did come out and say you can't wear his jersey unless you know the nicknames for him. So you should really start working on that. Didn't hear that. But okay. So, you know, I, hopefully Bellows will get an opportunity. I think he'll he'll have his moments. Will it be enough? I don't know. Will he be used as trade bait? Possibly. I think the season can develop so many ways. But no we got to stay healthy. You can't lose pellets for the end. Of the, you know, every year there's an injury. Like, you know, we got through Leafs somehow. But, like, the year before with pellets, we just had no shots. I mean, but, uh, you know, then Corona comes in, saves the Islanders. And here we are, second best team in hockey, two straight years. Are you concerned, speaking of Corona, are you concerned about an 82-game season, which they have not yes. had in quite Yes, that's season. another thing I'm very concerned about. They haven't had an 82-game season. This is an older group. They just want the back-to-back conference finals. They start the first 13 games in the road. It is very concerning. I, I, by the way, why I, have you, not, I have not thought about that enough, and I completely agree. The 80, Last year, they had a great opportunity in a pretty short season, 58 games. And they went back to the conference finals. They they had a good opportunity in that seventh game. They really did, you know. And it's going to be tough to come back from that. But I don't know. I, I there's something about this group that I that I, I think they find it motivating. Yeah. Shit. I'm sorry. Is this guy not the worst fucking podcast host ever? Listen to this asshole. It's a rookie mistake. I mean, how did that happen? I mean, I don't. It's I mean, okay. We're we're gonna cut my that computer part. Computer wasn't even working. We're gonna cut. We're gonna we're gonna cut that part. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. There's there's a lot in this season. This is the probably the most filled, crazy season in maybe Islander history coming up. I mean, it has that potential. It really does. Coming off two conference finals appearances in less than a year. Remember, one was in August. The other one was in June. So, with the new arena now, it's just crazy. It's a crazy time right now in Islander country. And, it would, you know, this team basically is one team, one goal. It's basically cup it's or cut, bust. By the way, to me, it's cup or bust. Yeah. All right. What is your expectations for Matthew this year? Does he take a complete step up? And is he a top, you know, 15 guy in the league in points? Who? I'm sorry, you don't go Barzell. by you don't go by full names. You don't go by nicknames. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I again in this system, 
it's going to be he's not going to he's not going to be top 10 or 15 in the league you know how it is in the Barry system you could win some games one nothing two one sure. defensive minded hockey but at the same time you'd like to see him get you know 40 50 assists would be nice it would be nice you know i think he'll be around i think he it, i it, with 82 games, it's a whole different story. You know what I'm saying? He hasn't played an 82 game season in a long time. Let's last... talk. Let's talk really quick, not to interrupt you, but yeah. let's talk about your expectations for Zach Parisi. Because everywhere I'm reading out of camp, and yes, it's just camp, he's got quite the jump in his step. Yeah, I don't know what I expect out of him, honestly. You know, I look at those guys, Chara, Parisi, they're. Depth players, they you know they're there for the one last ride, and you know they'll have the heart if they can stay healthy. I think he scores twenty five plus goals. No way! All right, you'll see. I believe that. No way! And what line? I think I think he'll be on the third line. Maybe he won't score that many because of what he won't play every night. But yeah. I, but I do believe that he's going to be in a new system. I think he's going to be in a, a system where he's not the guy. And it's been a long time for him since he wasn't he the guy. He could get hot and he could have a season. Maybe he gets 18 goals. Uh, so I think – so you say that. But then you have to think about a guy like Casey. What was that? Three years ago, Casey put in 20 fucking goals. Right. So, yeah, that's good. what I'm trying to tell you. Zach Parisi is an offensive player. I mean, he's he's – I love Casey to death. Casey, in my opinion, is the heart and soul of this hockey team. But, I mean, you're talking about a different level, caliber of offensive player. Yeah, I don't expect him to play all 82 games, I think, which is a good thing about this team. We got some young guys who can step in and, you know, give Parisi a rest, give Leo Komarov a rest. So, I think it's all about balance with this team, getting this team as healthy and – as just physically fit as they can, hopefully, if they make the playoffs. So, I agree completely with everything you just said. Richard Panic, what is his role? Yeah, he's a very good two-way defensive tough forward. Again, we have so many forwards on this team. It's like, I mean, and we mentioned Kiefer Bellows, but he can't get in the lineup. And same thing with, with uh, MDC. I used his nickname, Michael Dalcoe. Yeah, you're not allowed to use nicknames, Eric. Come on now. Yeah. To our listeners, you make sure you tweet at Kip and tell him to fucking stop using nicknames after he shit on me for MDC it. is a good nickname, though. That's, it is a good nickname. It's easier than saying Michael Dalcoe. When I think Ole, I think Ole Jokin. And, I, you know, I, I see Mike Milbury. That's why, like... I you know I was stunned for a few seconds there. I said Wally. Oh no, I guess oh, I said Ollie. Wally. No, you're right. I said Ollie. You're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, uh, what else? What's your, when's your first game this year? Well, I'll be at Calgary. I'll be there. Oh, you going? Night. Yeah, okay. I'll be there. You know, let me ask you this. Obviously, you know, we had some pretty epic tailgates throughout the playoffs. Yeah, I was gonna. I was, I was gonna say the same thing. Go right ahead. Well, no, you know, obviously, you know, our menu consisted of what? Some, you know, obviously, Michael, our buddy, is a cheap fuck, so you only get a, only an X amount of lamb chops. So next year, we'll have to work on that. <laughs> but what do we do? We get some lamb chops. You know, well, what, okay. what do we do? We just show up and, like, go to the parking lot? You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm trying to ask you. I don't so know. Weird. It's so weird. We just show up, and it's like, what do we do, you know? 
Well, the question is this. I mean, obviously, they're, they're, they've made it clear that they do not want us tailgating. They've made that abundantly clear. Right. However, in this it, fan base, how are you going to control that? Well, not even that. How do you control it with any fan base? What are you going to say? You can't sit in your fucking car and drink a beer? <laughs> well, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about being outside with grills, with chairs, with tents. Sure, sure. I, I get it. But as time goes on, I have to assume that it will just slowly turn into what it was. I mean, to me, that was the most beautiful part about, you know, our fan base is I don't believe there's another. I mean, obviously, don't get me wrong. It's different. You know, a lot of fan bases are in the heart of a city. We are lucky that we're not. But there is no other fan base that you look at the parking lot and it's reminiscent to a, to a Sunday at MetLife. I mean, you can't – there's nothing that's comparable to that. Only, I guess, if you go to Philly, they have the arenas all in one area. You yeah, can tailgate I, yeah there. but you're telling me you think the Flyers fans are out no, there? No, they're not. They're not. Right. But like I said, what we have now might be more like the Flyers, a little bit less room. Eric, Eric, I didn't work a fucking day during that playoff run because the days after the game, I had no voice. And the <laughs> days that we had the games – I would leave the city at 11 a.m., be in the loft by 12.30. Next thing you know, I'm nine, ten beers in, stumbling into the barn. I mean, it was just... I was wondering how you were going to wake up at, like, whatever whatever time you wake up. Let's say 7 o'clock, 7... Um, yeah, seven. 6 7. Yeah, that's early. I mean, and then I was wondering how you're going back to the city, going to sleep, waking up. Well, luckily, luck, luckily, Ronnie dd yes, but... You know, it was there were rough mornings, but I think the adrenaline of the situation, you know, I always say if the Islanders, the, the thought of the New York Islanders winning the Stanley Cup and being there with, with my father and my brother, oh, yeah, you know, it, it brings tears to my eyes even thinking about it. Yeah, me too. I always have always thought of what's going to happen the moment it happens. Eric, I had the weekend, thought. the summer. Oh, I've had that thought. I've always thought about this. Let's say, you know, you're in, I don't even know. Where are you? You're in, let's say you're in Edmonton. You know, it's game seven. You know, you're in Edmonton in the finals. Hypothetical. Obviously, I think we can both say first flight out, right? First flight out, you land in Edmonton. You're up 4-1, two and a half left in the game. You know, you're just starting to really get going. I've always said, when I look at the person behind me, assuming they're a, an Oilers fan in this situation, and say, yeah, I need to ask you a favor. I need you to film me as time <laughs> runs out. Yeah, I never thought about that. But... Oh, my God. Can you imagine that video? I mean, it'd be electric. I always thought of it as a home game. I don't think of it being a road game that I'm, I'm at. I mean, until recently, I haven't given that any thought. I always think of it as a home game, game six at home. That's all I, that's all I always think about. Yeah, that's, you that's know. That's what I, I always think about. I mean, by the way, nothing would be greater in this world. You know, it, it will always be depressing to me, though, because I, I, you know, I don't want to dwell, dwell upon it too much. I always dreamed of seeing it. In the old barn. So to me, that's that's heartbreaking. But it's time to make new memories, like we always say, and it, and hopefully we get a chance to to have that moment of just pure, you know, sports. Just I don't even know the word I'm looking for. You know, like the mecca of sports, right? I mean, that's where you want to be. Well, they cut some years off the barn. They renovated down. You know, 2015. And then he played it again until 2018. But it didn't matter yeah. at that point. I mean, I guess 
I, the, you year, know. the year after Florida, they didn't make the playoffs two years in a row. Right. And that's when they cleaned house. They brought in Barry. Barry had that one year. You won the, you swept Pittsburgh and you went to the, to Barclays against Carolina. A very, it was done. And it, it was done. It, a similar team to ourselves, a little bit more experienced. But I remember sitting next to four little shits, you know, with their dad, you know, like one kid's dad and three friends, whatever it was. And you could just tell that they were there just because, you know, daddy got some tickets from a friend. They were like, oh, let's go to the playoff game, you know? Right. And I'll never forget after the game was over, this one little kid in front of me, he must have been 14, was like laughing, you know? So I took my towel and I fucking threw it at his face. <laughs> <laughs> And I was with my buddy Mike, and Mike's like this little guy, you know, just a nice dude. Never would do something like that in his life. And I'll never forget, he looked at me like, you are out of your mind, dude. Like, what are you thinking doing that? But you know what? That's what the Barclays Center was. You got the bridge and tunnel crowd, and and that was the problem with it. I don't, I don't want to think about that. I'd rather forget it, like Scarface said. You know what but I'm by saying? the way, by the way, you have an FBI file because of it. Another day, another time. So I don't know. I don't if have you, any file. I don't know. I what, don't, I don't, I don't have any you, file. There's not even a draw. I don't know if you could ever forget it. But you there's, not even, there's not even a draw, let alone Yeah, 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 yeah. Just because you served the FBI agent some fucking meatloaf doesn't mean they threw out the file. It was like the scene in ah, we'll get we'll get to it another time. Next so next next pod. Let's talk about how by the way, how are we getting? We gotta get like I, I don't even want to say it because I know your feelings towards him, but I don't know, like a staple on here. We gotta figure out how to get I know, I know you don't love staple, but like maybe like uh, a we rock. We'll get somebody else. Maybe we'll get Ed Westfall. You get Eddie Westfall, man. I mean, that would be a home run. He lives in Manhattan. We'll, you know, find him someplace. You, you know what? Speaking of Manhattan, I mean, what a legendary story to our listeners. It's game. It's between game six and game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. And if you remember correctly, Gunnar Esiason, Sydney's uh, brother and Boomer's son, um, it was his wedding, the, the, the day of game seven. And Eric, you obviously know the story, but I was out for dinner in the Americana in Manhasset. Right. And I know that the Islanders love to eat at, you know, high end fancy joints, which, which tends to be several of them in the Americana. So I'll never forget thinking to myself, like, wow, imagine if I see an Islander tonight. And I had really not taken my Islanders hat off with the exception of when I went to work for about two months. Uh, of course, I was going out for a nice dinner and my fiance said, you're not wearing a hat, take it off. So it was the only time I didn't wear a hat. But what's funny before I get into what happened was about three weeks before this, I was talking to our buddy Michael. And Michael was telling me a story about how when he saw Lula, he saw Lou at, uh, at Brian and Cooper in Roslyn. And stalk him down at the bar. And he waited for him. He was with his girlfriend's family. They all left. He's like, I'm staying here. Lou walks out with his wife. He walks up to Lou. You know, he starts saying, oh, my God. You know, thank you so much. You know, we love you. You're the greatest thing ever happened, whatever. At which point, Lou's wife looks at Lou. Lou looks at his wife and says, honey, why don't you ever speak this nice to me? So I I thought about that a lot after he told me this story. And I said to myself, wow, 
what would I do if I saw Lula Morello at a restaurant? And I was like, you know what I would do? I think I would just stand up and start clapping. That's what I think I would do. So now it's game. It's it's we're going into game seven. Uh, let me rewind. We're going into game six. So it was after game five, which was just that nightmare of a game. Am I right on that, Eric? Game six, we're going into game five is when we got smoked. Well, Tampa, we got right? smoked. It was like whatever. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like seven, we lost in overtime. Seven-one. So, right. Seven, so we're, go, we're going into game six. And they had that one night off. They're obviously back in the island. You know, Lou probably, Barry probably tells them, get, to, get your mind off the game. So I'm sitting at dinner at the Americana at Cipollini's, and I'm looking down, you know, out. My brother's looking at me, and my fiance's sitting next to me. And I lift my head up, and all of a sudden, I see this fucking tall glass of water walking down the street. And I say to myself, you gotta be fucking kidding me. It's Maddie Martin. So in that brief second, I think to myself, what am I gonna do? So what do I do? I stand up and start clapping in the middle of Cipollini. <laughs> the entire restaurant is looking at me like I'm insane. My brother's looking at me he's like, what are you clapping about? He turns around. He sees Maddie. So what does he do? He stands up and starts clapping also. Next thing you know, we walk over to Maddie. He gives us the biggest hug. We start talking. You know, we I would say we talked for a good 10, 15 minutes, and we really just dissected the series, you know, the ins and outs. Um, I asked him why he didn't beat the shit out of Goudreau. Um, it was really, it was enjoyable. It was very, it was a cool experience. Yeah, that's what's cool about the Islanders. You know, they're a community team. You you, you know, you can go, I've, I've gone to the deli. I've seen Bailey. I've, I've heard that Oposo went there too, but I never actually saw him. I've seen Matt Martin bunch of times i've seen I, like I, I saw clutterbuck you know you can run into these players at the super well by the way by the way did you have a chance to listen to leonard on uh spitting chicklets no i didn't get a chance to hear yet so one thing that leonard said was like it's amazing how much you know the the fans have this like crazy connection to each of the players. Like it's it's just he said it's it's just different. You know, and, and I do think it's because you know we're a smaller franchise, you know, we're not in the city, you know, you see these guys around, but it really is it's true. You know, you really have a significantly more intimate feeling with these guys. Like you almost you you almost feel like you know them, you know? Oh yeah, it's a very intimate uh setting and that's what make kind of make it's what makes the team so special. And, uh, you know, getting that arena on Long Island is just, you know, finally getting it. It's so deserving and so overdue and so owed that uh, it's kind of hard to believe. Like, you know, like I said earlier, when we go to Belmont, what are we going to do? Just show up? Like, am I, am I just going to look at the arena and like, what are we going to do? I don't know. It, by the way, it's a very good question. It makes me remember when I first went to Yankee Stadium. And I remember walking into the new Yankee Stadium being like, where do I go? You know, do I walk around? Do I see the facilities? Do I check out the food? Now, don't get me wrong. I fucking hate Yankee Stadium, so it didn't matter to me. I think they did a horrific job. It's more of a museum than a stadium. But I remember having that that confused feeling when I walked into the building. 
Yeah, I, I can understand that. I just think it's going to be even crazier for the Islanders because they've been waiting for this arena for so goddamn long. The Yankees, they, they didn't really need a new building. They just need a renovation to keep their classic. So did the Coliseum. So, so did the Coliseum. Right, but it was built, you know, in 1969. It was finished in 1972. Yeah, it's know, a I love different. those old buildings. I, I hear you. I hear oh, you. yeah, I love I went to Joe Louis Arena just because. Right. You know, and that's a, what a mistake that was to close that building. What's that? I said it was a mistake by Detroit to close that building. Like, oh, the like, place was like the Coliseum. Right. Concourse was jammed. The bathrooms were worse than the Coliseum, by the way. Yep. The Coliseum had nicer bathrooms than the Joe. <laughs> And... I'll never forget, speaking of the bathroom in the Collie, I would say the biggest, my biggest memory is walking into the bathroom at, uh, at the Collie against Toronto, and there are dudes taking pisses in the fucking sink. <laughs> at the Joe, though, you're walking down in the 300s, and then you're walking around like during the war, the warm, you know, through the stands, and you're looking around, and you think to yourself, wow, this feels like the Coliseum. It looks, you know, and then, you know, you take a closer look. Okay, it's a little bit bigger. Like, you know, there's 3,000 more seats. But when you're walking around in the 300s and you're walking around in the lowers, you know, before the game, you feel like you're at the Coliseum. I'm serious. Yeah, yeah no, great. I, by the way, I, I, I'm envious that you had the ability to go there. You know, unfortunately, I never did. I don't even think I've ever actually been to Detroit. I think I've been to the airport. Windsor is nice. Detroit is, uh, it's like... We went to a strip club there. It feels like you're walking into 1978. I feel like you must be a fucking animal in a strip club. I'm not. I'm not. Surprisingly, I'm not. It's such a tease to me. I don't like strip clubs. What did you tell me? You said you've done so many things. You've had sex in the Coliseum. No, I never had sex in the Coliseum. Never. Don't lie, Eric. Outside. Outside. Outside the Coliseum. And then you said you never smoked pot in the Coliseum, so you made sure to light up a joint the last time ever. Well, it wasn't the last time ever, but it was during the Boston series. There you go. So you got it done. I got it done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so let. So, what's our plan? So, I think we'll release. I was just thinking, what's the plan for Belmont? What's the plan? You know, for that. <laughs> yeah, we have to make a check. Any chance we play another game to Coliseum, like a preseason game? No way. I think even I next think, year. I think they feel like they closed it down the yeah. right way, and it would be a disservice. To do that again, I think they should make that building into a museum, a Long Island museum. Maybe you know, maybe talk about the first railroad. I don't know, whatever. But or, or just have a million and one pictures, you know, of of, of the old Coliseum, uh, exactly. Or, or Bobby Nye left and right, you know, exactly, exactly. I I personally look, think that's a phenomenal idea, but you know, I think you might have some trouble convincing. Uh, the, the, the people behind the money to do that. Right, right. Yeah, it's just so weird with this building opening. It's like, you know, it's once in a lifetime, you know? Uh, it's, it's one, it, it really is. You know, we're not going to have a new building in this in this area for a long time. We've seen we've just seen in two baseball stadiums, a football stadium, and now a hockey arena, and then a renovation of a tennis stadium. You know what, so, though? I have to say, I, I'm optimistic from everything I've heard about Belmont that UBS will actually be the first successful arena that the tri-state area has had in quite some time. I mean, MetLife is the worst. Yeah, it's real. bad. It's I mean, bad. it's like, really bad. 
you're walking up a cliff just to get to the upper, oh. and like you're in a different world in the upper. Oh, and the trains. There's no the noise line. up there. Oh, it's te- you know, and I, people like City Field. I like it. You know, it, it's nice. The new Yankee Stadium, you know, it's it's nice, but it's too big. I mean, it's not loud. It's it's a, you know, like you said, it's 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 a library. It's a museum. It's too big. So yeah, I think we're gonna finally see a building in this area get it right, and I think it's gonna be nicer than Prudential Center, which I love going to to see the Islanders on the road. But again. The roof is high. It's a nice road building to go to, but why would I want my? By the way, that's the highest ceiling I've ever seen in my life in that building. Yeah, it's up there. Huh. And I and I work in real estate, so it, it takes a lot for me to say that. <laughs> so, so for our listeners, uh, I so opening night is October twelfth, or uh, what's our first game? Third, the fourteenth. Fourteenth, yeah. <laughs> So I guess our plan is we'll do one more show to our listeners before opening night. Yep. And then I think we do one, you know, post post game. Maybe Eric will get you to the city and we do it from uh from my apartment and we do a live show here. We we get to be discussed. I know how you feel about the city, but we'll see if we can No, regular season is different. So that to me seems like a great idea. So uh Make Long Island great again. We'll, I guess I think that that's what we got for tonight, right, Eric? And we'll see him next Thursday. We'll see you next week. And that uh, concludes the first uh, ever episode of the 2021-2022 Islanders Radio Network. Hold on, Eric. One more thing before we go. Thanks, all. Have a good night. All right, and we're here live, making Long Island great again. First episode, annual show here on September 30th, the year 2021. Oh! I'm Eric Kipperwasser, and this is Seth Godnick is on as well. Thank you, Eric. And we we kick things off with the 2021-2022 NHL season in training camp right now. New York Islanders, uh, they come into the season. It's a, it's definitely a historic season that we're going to discuss thoroughly with the uh, finally the new arena, which we'll get into. So we'll save the Barclays discussions for another time, huh, Eric? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's it's an incredible fiftieth season, and you know we're coming. We had. Terrible loss in uh, Game 7 in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. All summer I've been thinking about the goal, that shorthanded goal in Game 7, you know, and that's what decided the game. And it's those little things in um, playoff hockey that decide series. And that's basically why, you know, Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup and the Islanders, you know, pretty much finished with the second best team in hockey. I mean, Can I ask you a question? No, did, did, yeah. Eric, let me ask you a question. Did that game seven, was it not incredibly reminiscent to some degree of when they lost game seven in Washington? I think it was a 2-1 game and they just seemed scared to me. And I felt like I was watching such a similar game and obviously we're talking about a different world of coaching and leadership in the locker room. 
but to me it just felt like you know as Barry always says you keep climbing the mountain until you reach the top and it's going to take time to reach the top but to me it felt like they that the, that game showed me I just didn't know if they were ready to reach the top at that moment. Would you disagree? Uh, I would disagree. Comparison to the Washington game in 2015. Well, obviously a first round. Yeah, this is the first time. This is the third. I mean, Tampa Bay is so seasoned. I mean, they gave the Islanders no room in that game seven. You know, all it takes is one mistake. You know, that's why you, you, you try to wrap things up at home. You don't want to play game seven on the road. But the Islanders still had their moments in that game. Um, but you can't give up a shorthanded goal. You just can't. No, but you I mean, know what? You know what? Luckily, Yanni Gord is is off to Seattle, so yes, uh, we won't have to deal with that again. <laughs> and Goudreau's gone, and exactly. Coleman's gone, but uh, you know, Goudreau's yeah, they, going to, going to the Rangers. That should be interesting. Yeah, yeah, they overpaid the shit out of him, if you ask me. But they whatever. did, they did. Typical rags move, you know. Yeah, like Casparitis. <laughs> exactly. So we kick things off here. I mean, Eric, 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 I think we should kick things off. Why don't you give a quick little inside scoop? I mean, uh, to our listeners, I promise you stories that you cannot even believe, specifically about Eric Kipperwasser, but we will get there down the line. Why don't you kick it off and just tell us a little about yourself, how you became a long-suffering New York Islanders fan. Well, I'm not suffering, so. No, but I would say for the first, you know, how old are you now? 37. You're 37. So, for a majority of your life, you were a fairly long-suffering Islander fan. So, up until, you know, the Barry Lou error and the occasional... All right, so I went to my first game in January uh, 2nd, uh, 1992, against the Quebec Nordiques. Islanders won. That is impressive that you remember that. Islanders won, I believe, uh, 4-1 to that game, or 5-2, to was it? Got to look it up again. Don't ask me. I was fucking two years old. Wow. It just, it's its crazy how five, six years, is you, when you're older, when you're 32, it doesn't really matter, you know? But You know what, though? you got Unfortunately, you were alive to see those filthy fucks at the Garden raise the cup. You might have only been, you know, a certain age. Yeah, but, but it's going to make it all that um, special in the Islanders. So all right, you, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. So, I mean, I, again, I, again, I grew up where I had to watch that celebration for years. It wasn't just a one summer thing. In '94, I, I they, they were celebrating to 2000 with that. <laughs> By the way, I think they're still talking about it there. Yeah, yeah. They still yeah. whined about that LA Kings series like it was like yesterday. Right, right, right. <laughs> we're already showing our hatred for the. Uh, Don't the worry, it's just the start. So I went to my first game, and you know I was a fan. I'm seven years old, and then next season, '92, '93. I, I got into the team more, went to some more games, got, you know, you know, you're young, so you're just learning, you're learning and you're, you know, you have your players that you know, but I mean, I was watching games in school nights, you know, Mark, I got, I was upset when Mark Fitzpatrick would start over Glenn Healy, uh, remember Mike and I would talk about that, you know, it's just, it's just, and by the way, to our listeners, Mike, you will meet also down the line, Fitzpatrick, yeah, uh, part of our little Patrick island that family that was established in 92, 93. But it was that miracle team in 93 where they beat Washington in the first round and then they 
Dale Hunter takes and the that first was Pierre time, which was right? crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still remember the day after in school and coming home and like all day was wondering what happened with Terjan. It was a Friday, I believe, Friday afternoon, the next day. I remember my dad didn't let me stay up to the 6-3 blowout and it was a blowout. Let me ask you a question. You think that was the sleaziest fucking play in NHL history? In, in, um, in sports history, I believe. Because he scores, he celebrates, and then he takes him out. And he says that he, he didn't he didn't see the puck go in the net. He, yeah, he yeah. gave up the puck. Fuck he you, was Dale the reason Hunter. for the goal. It was a terrible turnover. Wait, terrible hold on. Turnover. Let me ask you a question, not to take you off gear right here. Who was the player, I want to say, it was probably, you know, early 2000s, late 90s. You know, he was he was a rough guy, you know, a tough fighter, like an Eric, Eric Karens-like guy. And he took his stick and he slashed it across someone again, the Rangers. Who was that? Ryan, it was Chris Simon on Ryan Chris Holy. Simon, I remember. On Ryan Holy, yeah. Yep. Uh, I apologize. Keep going. No, no, don't apologize. So, you know, it was that I moment. Mean, what a partner they, you are. Don't apologize. So they went, into, they went into the Penguin series. Nobody gave him a chance. I mean, even to win one game was like, okay, maybe they'll win a game against the Penguins who were, they won the, they won two straight cups. They were, they had their best team in their third year. They were, I mean, they were like the 2007 Patriots. Nobody expected, you know, them to lose, you know, and especially in the seven-game yeah. series. And the Islanders went that series. I mean, with Turgeon, if they had if they had him playing, they, they, they would have said, okay, maybe the Islanders will win a game, Penguins in five, or maybe even a sweep. So losing him, it's not like it changed much in the, you know, the eyes of the people in that series because they thought they were going to get killed anyway. So. Yeah. When they won that series on that Friday night in overtime, and then they blew the lead too, of course, um, it just, it was so magical. Like, I fell in love at that moment, I think. And you haven't taken Islander clothing off since. Right, exactly. Yeah. All right, well, that's pretty good stuff. I, I wish I could say that I remember the first game I ever went to, but I'll tell a quick story. Have I ever told you the story about my dad and his name? No, you haven't. All right. So in the 1950s, obviously, you know, what's great about hockey players is, you know, they're not celebrities. You know, you meet an Islander, you meet any hockey player, you know, for the most part, they're a regular dude. You know, you can have a good conversation with them. So in the 50s and, and early 60s, before the Islanders were obviously a franchise, my dad's parents lived in Roslyn, Long Island, and they were Ranger fans. And they would go to the city every day or every week and go to every game, season ticket holders for years. Who was and the season ticket holder for years? My dad's parents before uh-huh. the Islanders were a franchise. Okay, that makes so, sense. There was a goaltender on the Rangers, and I'm sure many of our listeners would, would somewhat, I hope, some would be familiar with, by the name of Gump Worsley. Yep. And legendary goalie. And my grandparents knew Gump just from, you know, being around the team and, and going to bars. Again, it was a different time then. And my grandmother's name was Audrey. And my grandmother, Audrey, went up to Gump Worsley at a bar one night and said, Gump, I have to ask you a question. What kind of mother names their son Gump? To which point Gump responds and says, you know, Audrey, that's funny, but my name is not really Gump. My name is Lorne. And my grandmother looked at Gump and said, wow, you know, I really like that name. And Eric, as you know, my dad, well, you know my father's name, but my dad was born, you know, 
couple Wait, what's years your after that. Name? And my dad is named Lorne after Gump Worsley. And let me add to that. Oh, really? No, I, yeah, I guess you know that story. Nobody fucking hates the Rangers. Well, I would say the Ranger fans more than anything else than my father. But he has to go to sleep every night knowing that he was named after a Ranger. So it's a, a good little scoop on that. I grew up in a hockey family. What can I say? But I would say my my first, you know, I, I remember the, the Brian Smolinski you know, um, Darius Kasparaitis days. I hated that trade. When they oh. made that trade, Kasparaitis was my favorite player. I yep, hated that yep. trade. Total bruiser. Um, I loved those teams. You know, those were early on. I remember, like, the Trevor Linden trade, thinking that was going to be like, the, the, the greatest thing ever. I remember him coming out with his C on his jersey. Oh, boy. Oh. Um, so yeah. I, I would say being born in 1990, I really lived through some horrors. Um I would say that the Toronto series with with uh, Darcy Tucker taking out Pekka, um, you know, as young as I was, being there, hearing the crowd and you know the asshole chants and the cursing and everything went along with a typical game at the old barn. You know, that was it. I mean, that was Th- like yeah. this is. Think about this- it. I was a senior in high school in that Toronto series. Right. So I lived, you know, from age. You know, they in '93 they had they had a great run, and then after that '94, you know, everything's you know after the '94, then the Rangers won the cup and everything went down. So it's a, you know that's seven, eight years, eight, eight years, nine years. That's a long time, you know, in your childhood. It's not, you know, no, there's no time. question. So no when question. they went into that series in you know two, it was just it was bedlam. It was like I still haven't heard the heard the Coliseum that loud. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. You know, it's funny. Um, Doc Emmerich, when he retired, they asked him, they said, you know, Doc, what would you say the loudest you've ever heard in the arena? And he said, you know, when uh, when Letty threw it off the back of the boards and JT scored, I think it was game three against Washington. Yeah. He said that was the loudest arena yep. he's ever been in his entire career. I was at that game. It, was, it did explode when I was there too. in overtime. Yep, yeah. I was there. Unbelievable moment. That was like, it was like a minute in, too. Yeah, a lot of people missed the day when the bathroom. I don't know how I was. Shitting your pants in your seat. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Islanders, they finally get the new arena. I mean, I got to tell you, when they got that, when they announced that new arena on December 19th, 2017, I got high without getting high. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was like a, it was, it was a feeling like, like no other um like yeah yeah eric eric you getting high without getting high sounds likely sounds unlikely yeah maybe (laughs) but it did happen it did happen i just had like this rush within my body that whole day or the day after too it was like nothing i've ever experienced when they finally got i mean because i was waiting for that arena for so long i remember 97 or 96 was that the lighthouse vote no that was later on that was when when Spano bought the team. I remember my grandfather saying, "Oh, this guy is a billionaire." He's Eric, like, Eric, you can't talk it. about Spano yet because that's going to make. No, know, no, we're not going to talk about him. But you know, but I'm you know what's going to happen when we do talk about Spano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just give a little tease. Eric went to the thirty for thirty premiere as Spano's guest. We'll leave it at that for a future date. I was his date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brian Berard was there. How was his eye? I mean, what do you what do you expect? (laughs) (laughs) 
Mike Milbury was there. Spano's lawyer was there. Should have spit on Milbury. I should have, but I didn't want to make I didn't want to make John look bad. That's why I didn't start anything with Milbury. Oh, that's so. That's really you're really a kind dude, you know, making sure that a thief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, they finally plus one. When they finally got the new arena, and I'd like to declare on the show that December nineteenth will be known as Islanders Independence Day. I like that thought. Yeah, I've been celebrating. You know, I've been, you know, reminiscing on that on that uh, December nineteenth since. What'd you do December nineteenth, twenty twenty? Honestly. We got the news, and I was, like, just insane. And then I remember I had to set up some holiday party, like, do some things. And then I honestly sat in my car, just smiling for, like, three hours. What a feeling. Yeah, I I was going to pick up some, you know, some green stuff, but I couldn't get in touch with, you know, my guy. And, um... I'm honestly waiting in my car just two, three hours. I'm just looking on the internet. It was like a euphoric feeling in my body, like, un, you know, like any other. I didn't need a drink or anything like that. That's so just to be clear, you you really didn't like UBS, uh, Barclays. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, I really didn't like it. I protested against it. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get into maybe some stories. Maybe not. I don't know. You know. I don't know. Well, proper, I think we have to get proper into the but, uh, The FBI. So let's talk about the upcoming season a little right, bit. Let's... You know, we got the new arena. Like I said, glorious moment. But now we actually have to, to play. To win some hockey know? games. There. We actually have to play there. And the pressure is on. I mean, everyone is expecting the Islanders to make the playoffs. Um, and be you know be one of the top teams in the East. I mean, it, you go to, you go in serious Radio. They're the team that people talk about most right now in the whole league. And I, I'm not just saying that because I'm an Islander fan. It's the truth. No, you. By the way, by the way, there was a really interesting thing that I saw on uh, you know one of the Islander Instagram whatever Drive for Five. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Um, but they came out with something or they released it. I have it in front of me, and it said. The Islanders are currently plus 2,020 to 1 to win the Stanley Cup. Currently, nearly 11% of bets have been placed on New York to win it all, which is the second most of any team behind Colorado. They've also received nearly 14% of the money bet, the third highest mark in the league. They are the second biggest liability for sports books behind Colorado. I mean, what a world. And Colorado, I don't know how much better they got. I mean, they're good and all, but... They need a little more physicality you know and a little more defense to maybe, get. Maybe, maybe McCarr is going to be re- feeling really rich and he's going to play at another level. Who knows? Well, I'm sure he will. He's a tremendous talent. He's probably one of the best players in the league coming. You know, he's not even in his prime yet for probably another few years. Right. Well, and he's also incredibly rich now too, which won't hurt. Right, which, you know, I was surprised by that contract. I don't know if that was the best idea for the Colorado Avalanche, but we'll see how it plays out. I, I, mean, think, I think if there was ever a contract that made Lou Lamorella look like a genius, it was that one. I remember calling Sirius Radio, and they were saying how they last year was during the winter, and, and they're like, I think, you know, Colorado's the second best team in the NHL. And I called them, and I said, I don't think so. I think the Islanders are the second best team in the NHL. And 
I got that right. I mean, they, they they were. I mean, and pretty much everyone said Tampa was the best team. They won the cup, and they you know they have a good chance to win it again. And that's exactly what happened. So, you know, it's a big year, but the Islanders now have all the pressure on them, and they start the first thirteen games, which is a record, unheard of. First thirteen games to start the season on the road. I mean, that's. It's going to be very difficult. Yeah, there's no question. Nervous. There's no question. But you know what? With, with a guy like Barry in the locker room, and you know that he's going to have them ready, my concern is limited. I, I think that they'll be ready to go. And I think that there's something great about them starting on the road. You know, he brings them, brings them together. A lot of time they'll spend together. <laughs> I kind of, I, I actually don't mind it so much. But it's 13 games. It's not six or seven. No, you're right. You're right. It's, it's a big road stretch. It's a very. It makes me feel like the, oh, the season. I'm like you know, as I'm going to the game, the November 20th to kick off the new arena. It's like to me, like that's when the season starts in my head. And you got to look and like, well, the season actually starts in a couple weeks. What do you got? You got in Carolina, in Florida, in Chicago, in Columbus, in Arizona, in Vegas, in Nashville, in Montreal. In Winnipeg, Minnesota, New Jersey, Florida Tampa. twice. I, I know. know Florida twice. That is, I mean, it's gonna be a. <laughs> yeah, it's you see a lot of Islander fans in that at that Jersey game. That'll be the first. Yeah, they can go to. You'll see. You always see a decent amount, but I think you might even see more that game. We'll see. I think it's a fair assumption. I can't wait for that first game at Belmont. I don't know what it's going to be like. It's going to be like, like a wedding day. Like you don't well, know. Well, let what's me ask you a question. You you've obviously had the ability now to tour the Belmont. Uh, I, I personally have not. Um, obviously, as someone who loved the Nassau Coliseum and, and full honesty, probably would have preferred to to stay there. Yeah, me too. Um, just because of how special of a building it was. And it's you the middle have, of the suburbs. Right. And it was like uh, my, my family's house. I mean, it was, you know, you're right, right on the highway. You're home in seven minutes. Yeah. It, yeah. But my question for you is, do you have concerns, you know, that the environment that the barn gave you will not be possible at UBS given the new size and, and you know, the upgraded facility? I think UBS is actually pretty small compared to some other new arenas. We know it's the lowest ceiling in the. In That's the right. What is it? Three three feet higher than uh, the college? I think so. I mean, I don't think you can make an arena as loud as the old arenas in the seventies, or if, if you want to even go back to the sixties or the forties. So I, but I think it's going to be the one of the louder arenas of the of the new arenas the last twenty five years. That's what I'm hoping for. All right, I, I, I pray you're right. If you look at the lower bowl, it looks like the Coliseum. I think you hit on this once before, that if you look at it from the lower bowl, it looks like the NASA Coliseum in the lower bowl. The upper is a little different. You have the um, you have the luxury suites now, which you didn't have the Coliseum in the middle, in the middle of the arena. You know, it's, it's bigger. I mean, the Coliseum is tiny, so not, not, it's not very hard to get big. But it, it, honestly, looking at pictures of it, it doesn't look like the arena is that big, which is a good thing. I want to keep it tight. By the way, I, you know what? I am a section 324 guy, you know, right center ice. I will sit as high up as 14 or 15. 
I don't love going up to 16. It's a little too high because then the scoreboard becomes a challenge. But right. that's why I love the collie because every seat. I, if you ask me if I could sit in row 615, center ice, or sit, you know, somewhat towards the goal, you know, in between center ice and the goal, lower level, I'm choosing upper deck all day at the collie. Oh, yeah, the Coliseum upper deck. I mean, look, there's not a bad seat in the house. No. I snuck down to the lowers some games, you know, back, you know, I've done that uh, when the Islanders were rebuilding and I wanted to see Jeff Carter, the young Jeff Carter. Yeah, I went I snuck down the lowers to uh, to watch the lowers. But for a packed house, upper, upper deck is all day. Coliseum. Completely agreed. Coliseum is like the show Cheers. Everybody knows your name. It's a great comparison. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, people people know. By the way, it, it's funny. It's funny, you know, like, you'll be taking a piss at the Collier online at the Coliseum for 45 minutes trying to take a piss. And then, and then you know, two games later, it's like, oh, hey, man, how are you? You know, good to see you again. Yeah, exactly. You'll see someone you, you know all the time. It's a small world. Like, yeah. I'm like a big fucking family. Dynamic. Yeah. yeah. You could also be a season ticket holder and you might never meet because you're on one end of the arena every game and the other guy is on the other side of the arena. So you may only cross each other occasionally, if that, because you just don't go to the same bathroom. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they're in the Smaller. smoking they're in the smoking section together after the first. For what? I said they're probably in the smoking section together after the first. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, are they gonna? Is this arena gonna be finished in time? Because I'm looking at pictures. To me, it looks like you got another four or five months. I mean, I don't know if they're gonna be able to finish this in time. Like, am I gonna actually be in a new arena watching the Islanders on November twentieth? It's a, it's a it's a very fair question. I saw this comment on Twitter. Someone said today, "I won't believe the Islanders actually have a new arena until until I'm, I'm sitting in it." Yeah, <laughs> and I've. And I've I've seen people write that the last few years. I mean, with all the political hurdles over the years to get this thing, I mean, first with, uh, you know, in the 90s when they tried to get the new arena, then... Kate fucking Murray. Well, that was years later, but first they, you know, in in the year 2000, they said, oh, the Coliseum, the owners, Gluckstein and Milstein, which were horrible guys, they don't get enough blame. Spano gets all the blame. These, These guys were, these guys were horrible. But, you know, but the truth is, they're businessmen. They couldn't get anything from the county. They couldn't get anything from these people. They wouldn't move an inch. But the problem was, but the problem is this. Charles Lang was then going to fund the project, and they still couldn't get it passed. Yeah, it's it's the biggest, richest suburb in America. And it was like pulling teeth. It was like a football stadium that, you know, is huge with... 80,000, you know, it's an arena, indoor arena. It's not just about hockey, it's other events too, concerts, you know, all kinds of kids' events. It's not just about hockey. Yeah. You know, and in the largest suburb in America to fight tooth and nail for so many years just to get an arena. And in the end, they couldn't even get the arena through the county. They you know what, though? You know, you, know, you know what the truth is, though? I, I think there was also challenges with the fact, you know, the team was obviously in shambles. For a lot of that, the time. team was a catch twenty-two. The team was in shambles because they didn't have the economic security. Sure, no question. But I, I think that if the team was performing at a higher level, you know, my and your, your 
Perhaps, yeah, I agree. I you think were filling Mil- up the house every night of the week, you're gonna have a different, you know. Well, even if it wasn't filled, but if Milbury didn't trade like four Hall of Famers yeah. and two All Stars, and maybe just two All Stars, I mean, you know, if they had a bet. They they would actually had a good team. You know, they, if they held on to Luongo and then trade for, you know, they didn't trade uh, Heatley. I mean, I'm sorry, forego drafting Healy to get DPH, or they already has Luongo. Yep. You know, they could have kept Jason Spezza. They kept Chara. You know, they would have had a decent team. They might have got a new arena. Ferrari coming up rookie of the year. Right, a couple right. Of years. I mean, yeah, yeah. They, you know, they McCabe. Well, oh. yeah. Ole don't forget Ole- him. Oh, my God. Even Martin Straka had a couple yep. of coffee. Yep. You know, if they. If he didn't trade everybody, and then they didn't, re- you know, they they failed to reach sixty points three straight years, ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one, and then they got Yashin, but they gave. I mean, the cost for that, for that, for those three years in the playoffs where they lost the first round was, you know, tremendous. They gave up Luongo, they gave up Danny Heatley, they gave up Oli Jokinen. They could have had a really good team, and they could have gotten that arena much sooner. As a result, maybe they would have gotten, you know, approval for it in 2004, or 2006, but it wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't, it, it, it wouldn't be a, uh, a story in 2011. I mean, can you imagine Chara, Bill McCall, I don't even know what the hell that is, and a yeah. second overall McCall, pick. They, they threw him in. It wasn't enough for you. Yeah, with a second and overall and Chara. Yeah. Fucking first ballot Hall of Famer. What a joke. Absolutely. All right, let's dive into training camp. Let's talk about Atu Rati, Sallow, some of these younger kids that everybody's talking about, raving about. Yeah. You know, I think we came into camp with some concern, obviously, with Letty gone. But, you know, you're watching Robin Sallow bring the puck up, and his stick handling, in my opinion, has just been stellar. And, you know, a guy like Atu Rati, I think it just shows, you know, just Lou being Lou, you know, he, he recognized the young kid was getting a lot, a lot of attention, kind of fell into a funk, was projected to be a number one overall pick. Next thing you know, there he is falling into our lap in the second round. And then the next week later, leading world juniors in goals. I mean, yeah. can you ask for a better story? Well, we'll see. I guess, I mean, I know I trust Lou when it comes to drafting. I expect the Islanders to draft well. They were already drafting pretty well um, prior to Lou. They, you know, they built that team through the drafts. Yeah. You know, all those guys, uh, Martin and, you know, the whole team we can go through. Down Bailey, the line. Brock. Right, right, right. Lee. Yeah. You know, Tavares, it won't count because he was a gimme first overall pick. But they have. The farm system first got better. overall pick. I love it. But the farm system got better, but it wasn't to, I guess, elite status. And I think, and I'm hoping with Lou, that it will be top, you know, a, a top prospect pool where every year you have a chance of getting a star. You know, because with this, with these scouts and with Lou Lamarillo, it's a, it's just different. They, you know, they they'll they'll go for some guys now. I think that they didn't go for in the past, and plus. They've been drafting big defensemen for a while. You know what, though? Can I tell you something else? Mayfield, Pulak. Yeah, 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 no question. And and tough guys, too, you know? But can I tell you something? It's interesting how active we've been 
you know, in that Nordic region, you know, in Finland and all these countries, they've been very, very active, drafting a lot of kids out of that region. Yeah, not enough, not active enough in Russia. They're staying away from. Oh, well, they. I mean, they got what's they his got name? Uh, the tiny kid is in camp that people are talking about. Um, I forget his name. The five nine kid, Isliakov or whatever. Oh, Golchev? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, 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 Golchev, Golchev. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's really, you know, a big part of the future. But I'm hoping, listen, I hope they get a few stars up from from these blue picks, Bolduch or, you know, Adirati. They could definitely use some star power, especially at the center position. You know, they have eventually they're going to have to rebuild their team. You know, these clutterbuck is not going to last forever. They're going to have to replace the toughness that Martin gives, that Leo Komarov gives at one point. Not right now, but to win the Stanley Cup this season, they're going to have to have young guys contribute. It's very important. I think Wolfram will be. Will if he can stay healthy, which has been a concern because he goes into these trouble areas all the time. But I think he'll look good at times. Again, he'll, he's still young, so he, he it's not going to be. You know, I don't think it's going to be a breakthrough season just yet for him. He, you know, he's going to need some time. But I think he'll. He could probably score twenty goals this year. He's that what good. line do you think he's on? One or three? I you know I don't get I don't get too caught up in the lines. They you can change lines. All right, you know, but where do you game. think? Do you think KP starts on the first line, or do you think Ali does? Um, I think that Wallstrom is going to start. Really? Yeah, because... Wait, let's see, you have... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to think that Lee's back now. I yeah, mean, yeah, Lee is back. Lee's I, back, so I would have to say that Palmieri will... Get the shots. Um, yeah, you're probably right. Tom That's Mary what I. It, it's a very Barry thing, you know, to have. But again, you there. can change it so many times. You know, we'll, your lines. And by the way, we yeah. will, because you know they're going to come out flat. Barry, one period early in the season, Barry's going to shuffle it up. To me, though, I look at it and I say, wow. You know, a playmaker like Matthew, the way he moves the puck and his finesse skills. If he can get the puck in Ollie's hands, and Ollie loves that shot from the point, you know, that one-time slap shot or the wrist shot up high, think about how much garbage is going to be there for Anders. I mean, to me, it seems like a no-brainer eventually. Yeah, listen, I hope I hope his knee is good and he can keep finishing. I mean, he was having his best season in the NHL. He was leading the team in goals. Yeah, and he was just all over the place. He was faster. Like, I worried about his speed a few years ago. I mean, he looked like a wrecking ball last year, and then he got hurt. You know, it, it, he was having his best season. Even with John Tavares, he wasn't this overpowering of a player. Well, you know what's funny? And not to talk about John Tavares, but I, it is amazing to me how you see how much this group of guys, you know, were so reliant on him, you know? And the minute he's gone and they get to finally play their own game, a team game, you immediately have seen guys like Brock Nelson. You know, players like Brock just play to a new level. It's, it's amazing to watch. Well, he is real coaching now. Pellich has sure. real coaching. Sure. So that has a lot to do with it. Can you, that wait is- a second. Can you shut your fucking TV off? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was... Uh... 
you know, this whole radio stint, I'm trying to, I was trying to get some uh, inspiration. I listened to Joey Diaz last night. He's great. You should listen to him. I'll check him out. All right, so where were we? So why don't you give us, talk to us, Alan. Tell us what you think about what you're reading, what you're hearing, what you're expecting, any surprises making the team. Okay, so again, the schedule is horrendous. We open up 13 in a row, then we come home. We play opening night. What do we do? Plus, they gave us opening night against Calgary because the Flames were the opponent to open up the Coliseum. It was a 3-2 victory for Atlanta. Atlanta, the Atlanta Flames at the time. So hopefully we get a different finish this time around. But what do they do? We're playing the next, very next night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I guess it's for John Tavares to get a look at, you know, at the arena that would have been basically, you know, the house that John built. But yeah. So they, I mean, they purposely yeah. gave him that game. I mean, I just think it's too many games for us to play. Instead, play. instead it will be the house that Barry built, so you can't complain. But keep going. So, then we play Wednesday, Thanksgiving Eve against the Rangers, which is going to be a hot ticket. I mean, that's going to be loud. That what were you day. telling me? How much were those tickets going for? Cheapest to get in with 230 Crazy. I think that's going to be a three $400 ticket. Ridiculous. And then they Okay, you know, I'm just saying they didn't have to play Toronto the next night. They no, I, I agree. The, emo- the emotions of that opening night. Yeah. You got to walk into those fuckers. I mean, that's a bump. Right. They should just play the Rangers on Wednesday and then Penguins on Friday and that's it. You know I what I'm saying? They don't have to play Toronto. So, we, so the first 20 games are incredibly difficult. You know, I'd like to be 500 or better. I'd like to be better than 500 and, you know, most important thing, I guess, is to be relatively healthy. Like I said, I think the young guys, like Asalo, can come in and actually with 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 this winning culture now, and some of these young guys and these veterans can actually come in and make a contribution right away. So I think Salo really has a good chance to come in and make a contribution. Wallstrom is a big part of this team now. And another guy is Kiefer Bellows, who had that unbelievable uh, junior tournament where he broke records uh, back four, what is it, four or five years ago now. You you know what? I give you a lot of credit because you have just stuck on that Kiefer train, man. I haven't stuck at anything. He's 20, 23 years old. He's only played what? 34 games in the NHL. To He's me, there's got to be a reason why. He's not getting the playing time that a kid like Ollie was getting. Ollie who? Wallstrom, what are you, a oh. fucking asshole? <laughs> so, sorry, I'm not, you know. I'm not, the you're, not on, you're not on a nickname basis with them? I'm not on a nickname basis with yeah, 21 you step year up your shit. I bought his jersey. That was enough. I'm not going to, you know. It, I'm on a nickname basis with a 20 year old. You know, he did come out and say you can't wear his jersey unless you know the nicknames for him. So you should really start working on that. Didn't hear that. But okay. So, you know, I, hopefully Bellows will get an opportunity. I think he'll he'll have his moments. Will it be enough? I don't know. Will he be used as trade bait? Possibly. I think the season can develop so many ways. But no we question gotta stay healthy. You can't lose pellets for the end. Of the, you know, every year there's an injury. Like you know, we got through Leafs somehow. But like, 
the year before with pellets, we just had no shots. I mean, but, uh, you know, then Corona comes in, saves the Islanders, and here we are, second best team in hockey two straight years. Are you concerned, speaking of Corona, are you concerned about an 82-game season, which they have not yes. had? In yes, that's season? another thing I'm very concerned about. They haven't had an 82-game season. This is an older group. They just want the back-to-back conference finals. They start the first 13 games in the road. It is very concerning. I, I, which by is the way, why I, have you, not, I have not thought about that enough, and I completely agree. The 80, Last year, they had a great opportunity in a pretty short season, 58 games, and they went back to the conference finals. They... They had a good opportunity in that seventh game. They really did. You know, it's going to be tough to come back from that. But I don't know. I, I There's something okay. about this group that, I, that I, I think they find it motivating. Yeah. Shit. I'm sorry. Is this guy not the worst fucking podcast host ever? Listen to this asshole. It's a rookie mistake. I mean, how did that happen? I mean, I don't. It's I mean, okay. We're we're gonna cut that part. Computer wasn't even working. Man. We're gonna cut. We're gonna we're gonna cut that part. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. There's there's a lot in this season. This is the probably the most filled, crazy season in maybe Islander history coming up. I mean, it has that potential. It really does. Coming off. Two conference finals appearances in less than a year. Remember, one was in August, the other one was in June. So, with the new arena now, it's just crazy. It's a crazy time right now in Islander country. And it would, you know, this team basically is one team, one goal. It's basically cup. It's cut, by the way, to me, it's cup or bust. Yeah. All right. What is your expectations for Matthew this year? Does he take a complete step up? And is he a top, you know, 15 guy in the league in points? Who? I'm sorry, you don't go Barzell? by you don't go by full names. You don't go by nicknames. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I again in this system, it's gonna be he's not gonna he's not gonna be top 10 or 15 in the league. You know how it is in the Barry system. You could win some games, one nothing, two one. Sure, defensive minded hockey. But at the same time, you'd like to see him get, you know, 40, 50 assists would be nice. It would be nice, you know. I think he'll be around. I think he, it, I, it, with 82 games, it's a whole different story. You know what I'm saying? He hasn't played an 82 game season in a long time. Let's and talk. Last, let's talk really quick, not to interrupt you. But let's talk about your expectations for Zach Parisi. Because everywhere I'm reading out of camp, and yes, it's just camp, he's got quite the jump in his step. Yeah, I don't know what I expect out of him, honestly. You know, I look at those guys, Chara, Parisi, they're depth players. They, you know, they're there for the one last ride. And, you know, they'll have the heart. If they can stay healthy. I think he scores 25-plus goals. No way. All right, you'll see. I believe that. No way. And what line? I think I think he'll be on the third line. Maybe he won't score that many because of what he won't play every night. But yeah. I, But I do believe that he's going to be in a new system. I think he's going to be in a, a system where he's not the guy. 
And it's been a long time for him since he wasn't he the guy. He could get hot and he could have a season. Maybe he gets 18 goals. Uh, so I think, I, so you say that. But then you have to think about a guy like Casey. What was that? Three years ago, Casey put in 20 fucking goals. Right. So, yeah, that's yes, what yes. I'm trying to tell you. Zach Parisi is an offensive player. I mean, he's, he's I love Casey to death. Casey, in my opinion, is the heart and soul of this hockey team. But... I mean, you're talking about a different level, caliber of offensive player. Yeah, I don't expect him to play all 82 games, I think, which is a good thing about this team. We got some young guys who can step in and, you know, give Parisi a rest, give Leo Komarov a rest. So I think it's all about balance with this team, getting this team as healthy and as just physically fit as they can, hopefully, if they make the playoffs. So, I agree completely with everything you just said. Richard Panic, what is his role? Yeah, he's a very good two-way defensive tough forward. Again, we have so many forwards on this team. It's like, I mean, and we mentioned Kiefer Bellows, but he can't get in the lineup. And same thing with, with uh, MDC. I used his nickname, Michael Dalcol. Yeah, you're not allowed to use nicknames, Eric. Come on now. Yeah. To our listeners, you make sure you tweet at Kip and tell him to fucking stop using nicknames after he shit on me for MDC it. is a good nickname. Though. It is a good nickname. That it's easier good. than saying Michael Del Cole. When I think Oli, I think Oli Jokin. I, you know, I, I see Mike Milbury. That's why, like, I you know, I was stunned for a few seconds there. I said Wally. Oh no, I guess oh, I said Ollie. Wally. No, you're right. I said Ollie. You're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, uh, what else? What's your, when's your first game this year? Well, I'll be at Calgary. I'll be there. Oh, you're going nice. Yeah, okay. I'll be there. You know, let me ask you this. Obviously, you know, we had some pretty epic tailgates throughout the playoffs. Yeah, I was going to I was, I was say the same thing. Go right ahead. Well, no, you know, obviously, you know, our menu consisted of what? Some, you know, obviously, Michael, our buddy, is a cheap fuck, so you only get a, only an X amount of lamb chops. So next year, we'll have to work on that. <laughs> but what do we do? We get some lamb chops. We know well, what, okay. what do we do? We just show up and, like, go to the parking lot? You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm trying to ask. I don't so know. Weird. It's so weird. What, we just show up, and it's like, what do we do, you know? Well, the question is this. I mean, obviously, they're, they're, they've made it clear that they do not want us down here. They've made that abundant effect. Right, However, but in this fan base, how are you going to control that? Well, not even that. Fan. How do you control it with any fan base? What are you going to say? You can't sit in your fucking car and drink a beer? <laughs> well, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about being outside with grills, with chairs, with tents. Sure, sure. I, I get it. But as time goes on, I have to assume that it will just slowly turn into what it was. I mean, to me, that was the most beautiful part about you know, our fan base is, I don't believe there's another, I mean, obviously don't get me wrong. It's different. You know, a lot of fan bases are in the heart of a city. We are lucky that we're not, but there is no other fan base that you look at the parking lot and it's reminiscent to a, to a Sunday at MetLife. I mean, you can't, there's nothing that's comparable to that. Only, I guess, if you go to the Philly, they have the arenas all in one area. You yeah, can get I, yeah but you're telling me you think the Flyers fans are out No, there? they're not. They're not. Right. But like I said, what we have now might be more like the Flyers, a little bit less room. Eric, Eric, I didn't work a fucking day during that playoff run. Because the days after the game, I had no voice. And <laughs> the days that we had the games, I would leave the city at 11 a.m., be in the loft by 12.30, 
next thing you know, I'm nine, ten beers in, stumbling into the barn. I mean, it was just... I was wondering how you were going to wake up at, like, whatever whatever time you wake up. Let's say 7 o'clock, 7... Um, yeah, 6, 45, 7. Yeah, that's early. I mean, and then I was wondering how you're going back to the city, going to sleep, waking up. Well, luckily, luck, luckily, Ronnie DD, yes, but... You know, it was, there were rough mornings, but I think the adrenaline of the situation, you know, I always say, if the Islanders, the, the thought of the New York Islanders winning the Stanley Cup and being there with, with my father and my brother, oh, yeah, you I know, it. It, it brings tears to my eyes even thinking about it. Yeah, me too. I always have always thought of what's going to happen the moment it happens. Eric, I had the weekend, thought. the summer. Oh. I've had that thought. I've always thought about this. Let's say, you know, you're in, I don't even know, where are you? You're in, let's say you're in Edmonton. You know, it's game seven. You know, you're in Edmonton in the finals. Hypothetical. Obviously, I think we can both say first flight out, right? First flight out, you land in Edmonton. You're up 4-1, two and a half left in the game. You know, you're just starting to really get going. I've always said, when I look at the person behind me, assuming they're an Oilers fan in this situation, and say, I need to ask you a favor. I need you to film me as time (laughs) runs out. Yeah, I never thought about that. Oh, my God. Can you imagine that video? I mean, the electric. I always thought of it as a home game. I don't think of it being a road game on that. I mean, until recently, I haven't given that any thought I always think of it as a home game, game six at home. That's all. I, that's all I always think about. Yeah, that's, you know. That's all I, I always think about. I mean, by the way, nothing would be greater in this world. Uh, you know, it, it will always be depressing to me, though, because I, I, you know, I don't want to dwell, dwell upon it too much. I always dreamed of seeing it in the old barn. So to me, that's that's heartbreaking. But it's time to make new memories, like we always say, and it, and hopefully we get a chance to to have that moment of just pure, you know, sports. Just, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, you know, like the mecca of sports, right? I mean, that's where you want to be. Well, they cut some years off the barn. They renovated it down, you know, 2015. And then they didn't play there again until 2018. But it didn't matter yeah. at that point. I mean, I guess I, the, you year, know. the year after Florida, they didn't make the playoffs two years in a row. Right. And that's when they cleaned house. They brought in Barry. Barry had that one year. You won the you swept Pittsburgh and you went to the to Barclays against Carolina. Yeah, it was done. And it, it was done. A similar team to ourselves, a little bit more experienced. But I remember sitting next to four little shits, you know, with their dad, you know, like one kid's dad and three friends, whatever it was. And you could just tell that they were there just because, you know, daddy got some tickets from a friend. They were like, oh, let's go to the playoff game, you know? Right. And I'll never forget, after the game was over, this one little kid in front of me, he must have been 14, was like laughing, you know? So I took my towel and I fucking threw it at his face. <laughs> <laughs> and I was with my buddy Mike, and Mike's like this little guy, you know, just a nice dude. Never would do something like that in his life. And I'll never forget, he looked at me like, you are out of your mind, dude. Like, what are you thinking doing that? But you know what? That's what the Barclays Center was. You got the bridge and tunnel crowd. And and that was the problem with it. I don't know. I don't want to think about that. I'd rather forget it, like Scarface said. You know what I'm well, saying? by the way, by the way, you have an FBI file because of it. Another day, another time. 
So I don't know. I don't if have you, any file. I don't know. I what, don't, I don't have any you, file. There's not even a draw. I don't know if you <laughs> could ever forget it, but you there's can not try. Even, there's not even a draw, let alone. Yeah, a yeah, file. yeah, yeah. Just because you served the FBI agent some fucking meatloaf doesn't mean they threw out the file. It was like the scene in. Ah, we'll get we'll get to it another time. Next, so next, next pod. Let's talk about how. By the way, how are we getting? We gotta get like. I, I don't even want to say it because I know your feelings towards him, but I don't know, like a staple on here. We gotta figure out how to get. I know, I know, you don't love staple, but like maybe like a we rock. Get somebody. We a rock do we'll get somebody. A rock We'll get somebody else. Maybe we'll get Ed Westfall. You get Eddie Westfall, man. I mean, that would be a home run. He lives in Manhattan. We'll, you know, find him someplace. You, you know what? Speaking of Manhattan, I mean, what a legendary story to our listeners. It's game. It's between game six and game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. And if you remember correctly, Gunnar Esiason, Sydney's uh, brother and Boomer's son. Um, it was his wedding, the, the, the day of game seven. And Eric, you obviously know the story, but I was out for dinner in the Americana in Manhasset. Right. And I know that the Islanders love to eat at, you know, high end fancy joints, which, which tends to be several of them in the Americana. So I'll never forget thinking to myself, like, wow, imagine if I see an Islander tonight. And I had really not taken my Islanders hat off, with the exception of when I went to work for about two months. Uh, of course, I was going out for a nice dinner, and my fiance said, "You're not wearing a hat. Take it off." So it was the only time I didn't wear a hat. But what's funny before I get into what happened was about three weeks before this, I was talking to our buddy Michael, and Michael was telling me a story about how when he saw Lula, he saw Lou at uh, at Brian and Cooper in Roslyn and stalk him down at the bar and he waited for him he was with his girlfriend's family they all left he's like i'm staying here lou walks out with his wife he walks up to lou you know he starts saying to lou, oh my god you know thank you so much you know we love you you're the greatest thing ever happened whatever at which point lou's wife looks at lou and lou looks at his wife and says honey why don't you ever speak this nice to me so i th- i thought about that a lot after he told me this story and i said to myself wow what would i do if I saw Lula Morello at a restaurant and I was like, you know what I would do? I think I would just stand up and start clapping. That's what I think I would do. So now it's games. It's it's we're going into game seven. Uh, let me rewind. We're going into game six. So it was after game five, which was just that nightmare of a game. Am I right on that, Eric? Game six, we're going into game five is when we got smoked. Well, Canada, we got right? smoked. It was like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was like seven, we lost in overtime. 7-1. So, right. Seven, so we're, going, we're going into game six. And they have that one night off. They're obviously back in the island. You know, Lou probably, Barry probably tells them, get, to, get your mind up again. So, I'm sitting at dinner at the Americana at Cipollini's. And I'm looking down, you know, out my brother's looking at me and my fiance sitting next to me and I lift my head up and all of a sudden I see this fucking tall glass of water walking down the street and I say to myself you gotta be fucking kidding me it's Maddie Martin so in that brief second I think to myself what am I gonna do so what do I do 
I stand up and start clapping in the middle of Cipollini. <laughs> the entire restaurant is looking at me like I'm insane. My brother's looking at me like, what are you clapping about? He turns around. <laughs> he sees Maddie. So what does he do? He stands up and starts clapping also. Next thing you know, we walk over to Maddie. He gives us the biggest hug. We start talking. You know, we put I would say we talked for a good 10, 15 minutes, and we really just dissected the series. You know, the ins and outs. Um, I asked him why he didn't beat the shit out of Goudreau. Um, it was really, it was enjoyable. It was very, it was a cool experience. Yeah, that's what's cool about the Islanders. You know, they're a community team. You, you, you know, you can go, I've, I've got to the deli. I've seen Bailey. I've, I've heard that Oposo went there too, but I never actually saw him. I've seen Matt Martin bunch of times I've seen I, like I saw Clutterbuck you know you can run into these players at the Super Bowl well by the way by the way did you have a chance to listen to Leonard on uh, Spitting Chicklets no I didn't get a chance to hear yet so one thing that Leonard said was like it's amazing how much you know the, the fans have this like crazy connection to each of the players like it's it's just he said it's it's just different you know and I, I do think it's because you know we're a smaller franchise you know we're not in the city you know you see these guys around but it really is it's true you know you really have a significantly more intimate feeling with these guys like you almost you, you almost feel like you know them you know oh yeah it's a very intimate uh setting and that's what make kind of make it's what makes the team so special and, uh, you know, getting that arena on Long Island is just, you know, finally getting it. It's so deserving and so overdue and so owed that uh, it's kind of hard to believe. Like, you know, like I said earlier, when we go to Belmont, what are we going to do? Just show up? Like, am I, am I just going to look at the arena and like, what am I going to do? I don't know. It's, it, by the way, it's a very good question. It makes me remember when I first went to Yankee Stadium. And I remember walking into the new Yankee Stadium being like, where do I go? You know, do I walk around? Do I see the facilities? Do I check out the food? Now, don't get me wrong. I fucking hate Yankee Stadium, so it didn't matter to me. I think they did a horrific job. It's more of a museum than a stadium. But I remember having that that confused feeling when I walked into the building. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I just think it's going to be even crazier for the Islanders because they've been waiting for this arena for so goddamn long. The Yankees, they, they didn't really need a new building. They just need a renovation to keep their classic. So did the Coliseum. So, so did the Coliseum. Right, but it was built, you know, in 1969. It was finished in 1972. Yeah, it's know, a little I different. I love those old buildings. I, I hear you. I hear oh, you. yeah, I love it. I went to Joe Louis Arena just because. Right. You know, and that's a, what a mistake that was to close that building. What's that? I said it was a mistake by Detroit to close that building. Like, uh, the like, place was like the Coliseum. Right. Concourse was jammed. The bathrooms were worse than the Coliseum, by the way. Yep. The Coliseum had nicer bathrooms. <laughs> and... I'll never forget, speaking of the bathrooms in the Coliseum, I would say the biggest, my biggest memory is walking into the bathroom at, uh, at the Coliseum at Serrano, and there are dudes taking pisses in the fucking sink. <laughs> <laughs> at the Joe, though, you're walking down in the 300s. And then you're walking around like during the war, the warm, you know, through the stands, and you're looking around and you think to yourself, "Wow, this feels like the Coliseum." It looks, you know, and then you know you take a closer look. Okay, it's a little bit bigger. Like, you know, there's three thousand more seats, 
but when you're walking around in the 300s and you're walking around in the lowers, you know, before the game, you feel like you're at the Coliseum. I'm serious. Yeah, yeah no, great. I, by the way, I, I, I'm envious that you had the ability to go there. You know, unfortunately, I never did. I don't even think I've ever actually been to Detroit. I think I've been to the airport. Windsor is nice. Detroit is, a, it's like we went to a strip club there. It feels like you're walking into 1978. I feel like you must be a fucking animal in a strip club. I'm not. I'm not. Surprisingly, I'm not. It's such a tease to me. I don't like strip clubs. What did you tell me? You said you've done so many things. You've had sex in the Coliseum. No, I never had sex in the Coliseum. Never. Don't lie, Aaron. Outside. Outside. Outside the Coliseum. And then you said you never smoked pot in the Coliseum, so you made sure to light up a joint the last time ever. Well, it wasn't the last time ever, but it was during the Boston series. There you go. So you got it done. I got it done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so let. So, what's our plan? So, I think we'll release. I was just thinking, what's the plan for Belmont? What's the plan? You know, for that. <laughs> yeah, we have to make a check. Any chance we play another game at the Coliseum, like a preseason game? No way. I think even I next think, year. I think they feel like they closed it down the yeah. right way, and it would be a disservice to do that again. I think they should make that building into a museum, a Long Island museum. Maybe, you know, maybe talk about the first railroad. I don't know, whatever. But or, or just have a million and one pictures, you know, of, of, of the old Coliseum. Uh, exactly. Or, or Bobby Nye left and right, you know. Exactly. Exactly. I, I personally look, think that's a phenomenal idea, but, you know, I think you might have some trouble convincing uh, the, the, the people behind the money to do that. Right, right. Yeah, it's just so weird with this building opening. It's like you know, it's once in a lifetime. You know, uh, it's one, it, it really is. You know, we're not going to have a new building in this in this area for a long time. We've seen we've just seen in two baseball stadiums, a football stadium, and now a hockey arena, and then a renovation of a tennis stadium. You know what? So, though, I have to say. I, I'm optimistic from everything I've heard about Belmont that UBS will actually be the first successful arena that the tri-state area has had in quite some time. I mean, MetLife is the worst. Yeah, studio. it's bad. It's I mean, bad. it's like, really bad. You're walking up a cliff just to get to the upper. Oh. And like, you're in a different world in the oh, upper. And the trains. There's no the noise line. up there. Oh, it's, te- you know. And... I, people like City Field. I like it. You know, it, it's nice. The new Yankee Stadium, you know, it, it's it's nice, but it's too big. It, I mean, it's not loud. It's it's a, you know, like you said, it's 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 a library. It's a museum. It's too big. So yeah, I think we're gonna finally see a building in this area get it right. And I think it's gonna be nicer than Prudential Center, which I love going to to see the Islanders on the road. But again. The roof is high. It's a nice road building to go to, but why would I want my... By the way, that's the highest ceiling I've ever seen in my life in that building. Yeah, it's up there. Huh. And I and I work in real estate, so it, it takes a lot for me to say that. <laughs> so, so, for our listeners, uh, I, so opening night is October 12th, or uh, what's our first game? Thir- the 14th? 14th, yeah. <laughs> So I guess our plan is we'll do one more show to our listeners before opening night. Yep. And then I think we do one, you know, post post game. Maybe Eric will get you to the city and we do it from uh 
from my apartment and we do a live show here. We, we get to be discussed. I know how you feel about the city, but we'll see if we no, can No, regular it. season is different. So that to me seems like a great idea. So uh, make Long Island great again. We'll, I guess I think that that's what we got for tonight, right, Eric? And we'll see him next Thursday. We'll see you next week. And that uh, concludes the first uh, ever episode of the 2021-2022 Islanders Radio Network. Hold on, Eric. One more thing before we go. Thanks, all. Have a good night.